Welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing this week a little bit early on Wednesday morning. But uh, why not? Getting up early and joining us from Seattle is Kevin Pelton. Pelton, the machine, you have one of the great sports weekends I can remember hearing. So just to give everybody FOMO, because I'm feeling FOMO. (laughs) Can you tell us what your big weekend is this weekend? It's a, it's a, it's a Pacific Northwest fans' dream. Go ahead. Yes, yeah, so the plan is uh, I'm flying to Chicago, where where one of my good friends lives. And Friday we're going to do the Cubs game. Saturday drive over for UW Michigan, which seemed a lot more exciting Saturday morning than it does now. And then uh, Sunday Seahawks Colts in Indianapolis for their season opener. Bon Temps is going to be fishing. He's on vacation in Wisconsin. Tim Bon Temps. That's right. Uh, I know. I know you wish that you could be uh, going on this sports weekend, but you know you have family. I'll, I'll see the so. machine. I'll see the machine in Chicago. I'm excited to see him. And uh, yeah, the one thing the machine gets uh, the the machine turns off about is when Seattle sports comes on. And I form. know. So uh, I know. So this That's is a big true. weekend. It's just That's really true. a different setting. I feel like it's not turned <laughs> off. <laughs> um. So you guys both have done something interesting, and um, I, uh, I don't know how these came out. I'm blind on this. So uh, you guys both looked at the 30 NBA teams and said uh, that you wanted to put them in, as, we, as we're three weeks now from the start of uh, training camp. Pretty much the rosters are set. As a quick update, um, the NBA pretty much came back to work on Tuesday. Um, everybody was pretty much gone for 10 to 14 days for before end of summer, Labor Day. And I checked in on uh, the Ben Simmons stuff. And of course, I'm probably jinxing this by the time this podcast comes out, but zero zip. I mean, there's been discussions, but I'm I'm feeling nothing in terms of trade uh, trade uh, traction. So um, that just jinxed it. But, uh, you know, I don't want to talk about that again because there's nothing to talk about. So um we're going to talk about uh, Bontemps and Pelton put all the teams into various tiers from contender down to don't even, don't even bother looking at them. Um, and so Bontemps, you're first up um, you and Pelton went about this different ways. And I'm, I'm going to be interested to hear, cause I don't know how you rank them. So uh, how did you uh, set up your first tier of teams? Yeah, we needed to have a highbrow discussion with McMahon out around. So we brought in the machine and McMahon we're going to have a smart vacation. basketball discussion. We'll be good. Uh, McMahon is on vacation. I'm sure he's having a great time. But uh, my first year, as we've talked about throughout the past few weeks, is pretty clear. I think the Nets and the Bucks are in their own tier by themselves. I think they're the two mm. best teams in the league by a, a pretty healthy amount, personally. I think if you there's a bunch of other teams that are good that could maybe get to the finals. Maybe if everything breaks right, they win. But I think well, coming into the season, I, I definitely there will be other there will be a, there will be ahead. one of the one there will be a team that doesn't make the fi- that does make the finals outside of that tier since they're both in the same conference. That's that is correct. It's a good point. Uh, but I do think they are the two clear to me the two clear championship favorites. A cut above everybody else. Pelton Bontemps never misses a chance to uh, take a subtle or direct shot at the Lakers. So uh, Lakers didn't make his. What about your? Uh, what do we call this? The championship tier. Yeah, the championship favorites is what I called that. I, I have the same two teams in here. And, wow. you know, I think the thing with the Lakers in particular, I'm sure we'll talk about them in a second, is, is they obviously are not in a dramatically different tier, is that we don't know what it's going to look like. 
we have some guesses at what it's going to look like with Russell Westbrook and this fleet of veteran minimum players that they've signed, many of whom played for the Lakers before. But we don't until you get it on the get this team on the court and particularly get it on the court in the playoffs when teams can game plan around Russell Westbrook's non-shooting. I don't think we're going to have a good sense of it, whereas we know exactly what Milwaukee looks like. You know, despite the the loss of PJ Tucker, I I don't think that's going to be a dramatic change for them, especially because PJ might not have been starting outside of those games against Durant if Dante Divincenzo had been healthy, which presumably he will be at some point during this season. Uh, so I I think that you know the fact that they're the defending champs, Giannis went up a level in last year's finals. All of that, even sure b- before that in the Eastern Conference Finals, maybe uh, all of that, I think, demands that they be in the first year. And then Brooklyn is the team that, if healthy, we all think would have beat them. So, And they seem to yeah. have only strengthened their roster because the well, everyone else was on vacation. Apparently, the Nets weren't last week when they were busy signing LaMarcus Aldridge and Paul Millsap and, and moving <laughs> DeAndre Jordan. So that was Millsap was the one guy left on in free agency who had a chance to really be a difference maker. And the Nets got him on top of Aldridge. So only strengthens this Pelton, roster. What, that I, I didn't see. What grade did you give the Nets on that deal? I mean, to do it without giving up any first round picks, I thought was an A move for them. Okay. Yeah. If they, four second round picks, they saved $40 million. Um, some of the seconds were, you know, quote unquote fake. Uh, by the way, I should say the Nets have some business. Uh, you know, uh, I saw that uh, James Harden and um, Kevin Durant appear to be on vacation with each other in, uh, is it Greece? Um, I believe they're in Mykonos. Yeah. Like that's oh, Mykonos. What I saw. Yeah. Greece. Um, and uh, I see, I think LeBron last, that last check was in Italy, but um, you know, Kyrie and uh, James Harden are still do are still eligible for extensions uh, like Durant uh, before the uh, start of the season. So um, I don't see how you're saying no to a Harden extension. And while Kyrie is more complicated, um, if Kyrie is not extended, he's, he can be a free agent after the season. And I, despite the complexity there, I don't see how you don't sign him. So I'm expecting that to get done. It doesn't have to get done. There's no deadline on it or whatever, but um, uh, there, there is, there is a deadline for Harden at the start of the regular season because he's got two years left on his deal. Kyrie could extend the end of the season. Now, the one thing from that's different from them and Durant is those guys can get an extra year by waiting to go to free agency. Durant, because of the over 38 rule wasn't able to. So, well, he could have gotten it. He just elected not to screw the nets on it. I don't. I don't think he could have gotten it. Well, he just the 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 salary would have been would have been prorated over the first years of the contract, and the last year would have been cap neutral, right? But if you're already at the max, you can't add more to those first four years. It's that I think I don't think he was able to sign a longer one than that. I would. I'm going with the machine. Machine versus Brian. Machine wins. (laughs) It is early. It is early. Yeah. well, anyway, Harden and Kyrie are eligible, and you are right. They could wait and then add another year, um, but they could add that other year later. You know, it's not. Um, it's true. I, if I were if I were them, I would I would lock in, especially uh, Kyrie. Um, okay, second tier, Bontemps. How do you how do you phrase this tier? Uh, these are these are teams I would say are solid championship contenders, but below the the true number one tier status. So I had four teams in here in the East. I had the Miami Heat and then in the West, I have Utah, Phoenix and the Lakers. So here's where we differ, because I have the Lakers in tier of their own. I don't 
necessarily trust which you call which which how do you how do you refer to that tier less favorites okay yeah uh i don't trust the lakers construction but i can't find anyone else that i that i trust as much as a team with anthony davis and lebron james if those guys are healthy i mean we saw a sort of ceiling on utah's playoff ability Phoenix, maybe even we saw a ceiling on them eventually in the NBA finals, although it took a long time to get there. And I, I just don't think they're going to be likely as good this year in terms of health. Uh, you know, Chris Paul's age is always a concern. And then, you know, Miami in the East, I, I think is to me a cup below this group. I you, see you, your think. Yeah, I see your thinking here on the Lakers, because what you're saying is their top end, if they hit their stride is higher than the other teams. The thing and I would agree Lakers, with that too. Yeah. But I would almost, clear. I would say that about Miami though, too. I think if Miami, if all their guys and they meld and they go full bore, including Tyler hero, which I will continue to talk about is the vital part of that team. Who is he? Is he bubble hero or is he last year's hero? If he's bubble hero, I think it elevates him to another level, but just on the Lakers real quick, a lot of people, default to the low-hanging fruit which is that they are old we know that they are old i am actually although injury wise you're worried about older players but frankly if you look at the league right now people are getting hurt all over the place so there's more they're more fragile in that way but i am not worried about their age at all i i I think some of their old players will play roles that they need played Um, and ultimately it's lebron james health if lebron is fully healthy and you have functional players around him and they will be able to add during the season, I think that they will be serious contenders. My concern about the Lakers is twofold, and Pelton mentioned it a second ago. One is, and I've said this before, they've blown up one of the league's best defenses from the last two years. They were a defensive-based team when they won the title. They were a defensive-based team when they were at the top of the standings last year, and they've taken the majority of their, their good defensive role players, flushed them, and most of the players that they've had are either not in their primes defensively or have not shown to be good defensive players and they have to relearn the system. And then the other thing, of course, I'm worried about is Westbrook's shooting and how the whole point of getting Anthony Davis and shooters around LeBron is to create space and how Westbrook will close that space down. Those are the two questions that have to be answered to me. I'm not worried about their age whatsoever. And I think that the Lakers, if they can answer those, absolutely could win the title this year, uh, Bontemps. Yeah, no, I agree completely. And look, I, I would say Miami and the Lake and the Lakers are in this tier with Phoenix and Utah because I have a pretty good sense to kind of to KP's point. I think we know sort of what Utah and Phoenix are. I think if you ask the Jazz, they would say their injuries in the playoffs limited their ceiling more than their play. I think you can go both ways on that. Um, but I, I think we're I to me, it's like the Lakers have a ceiling that's up here and a floor that's below those teams if things don't go right, if the Westbrook thing's a disaster, or if they have a ton of injuries. So having them in this tier and Miami sort of the same way with their age, it kind of just balances them out where it's like it, it accounts for both their high end and their low end. Whereas the other two teams in there for me, I have a pretty good sense that unless there's, you know, serious injuries, I think we, well, I at least have a pretty good feeling of how they're going to be. How do you project uh, the Lakers to be defensively Pelton? Because I think it's a really important thing. Yeah. I mean, to me, the big concern is if you look back at the team that won the championship, I was going to say say two years ago, but actually it was less than a calendar year ago because <laughs> of the right. unusual nature of the uh, the schedule. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, 
they they had the two way guys on the wing in Danny Green, even though he didn't shoot the ball particularly well in the playoffs, and Contavious Caldwell yep. Pope, who shot the lights out during the playoffs, yeah. and was a big reason they won the title. And who's that guy on this year's roster? I mean, Trevor Ariza, Kent Bazemore, those those players have filled those roles at times, well, but that's Taylor where I Horton. Think- Tucker, I mean, if but he's not going to shoot that way, probably right. right? Or, I mean, in a weird in a weird way, the the Lakers have sort of gone in this uh, not exactly the same, but kind of in a similar route to what the Jazz did. Um, in terms of they've loaded up on perimeter guys who can score. The difference is that the Jazz have Rudy Gobert and the Lakers. You know, Anthony Davis is an elite level defender, but he is going to generally play power forward at least during the regular season. Um, so they're not going to have that back line defender necessarily the way that Utah does, but yeah, it's the perimeter defense. I think is going to be a real problem. And to me, I think it's like, you're constantly going to be Frank Vogel's choosing between, am I going with my shooting role players? You know, the Wayne Ellington's uh, Kendrick Nunn probably falls into that category by this point, Malik Monk, or am I going to go with the defensive role players in a reason in Baysmore? And it, I don't know if you're going to be able to find the right balance. Is Baysmore still a good two. defender? I don't think so. I mean, I, I understand the signing, but I, I just don't. I mean, you know, he has been a, He's a minimum uh, signing for a reason. Right. Right. Um, all right. So you mentioned the, the uh, Pelton, you mentioned the jazz limited upside. Do you think obviously Donovan Mitchell was not right from day one of the playoffs last year? Cause of that angle, do you think Donovan Mitchell has more upside there or is, is, is his because his improvement over the last two years has been undeniable and really important. Um, is there more there? Does he have space to improve? Yeah, I think that you know we could see we we've seen the three point shooting prolifically, but not necessarily at the accuracy maybe that you could at some point. I mean, I look at a guard of his age. There's always I think room for improvement. I guess is the the fundamental yeah. bottom line. I would like to see him be better on defense. He came into the league as a as a defense as more of a defensive guy than an offensive guy, and his offense has taken big steps forward. I would like to see his defense take steps forward to become a true two way force um, for the Jazz. You know, that, I think that, the same I think, thing is the next step for him. I think the same thing could be said and asked about Devin Booker. You know, you know Booker and Mitchell's, you know, elevate ability to elevate themselves. You know, can they elevate themselves to MVP candidates? I know people consider them that, but they're not really, can they elevate themselves to that type of player? Because if they can, now you're talking about, you know, being in Pelton's tier as opposed to the Bontemps tier. Yep. Um, um, so I think that's a, that's a thing. And I mean, um, uh, you know, Booker, you know, you know, you know, Booker is a guy who had the most rapid earning of, you know, he was, he was, un, he was undervalued, for a long time because his team was awful. And then he was so good last season. Now there's big expectations for him. And uh, uh, I mean, I, I thought, you know, one of the things that spoke a lot, I mean, I'm always going to talk about team USA because that was my life for six weeks, but you know, they saved a role for him. Like that team was, was, was pretty loaded. And, you know, they, you know, Jason Tatum ended up on the bench and, you know, Greg Popovich saved a role. He was like waiting for Booker to get there. Um, you know, that says a lot about where he is. And, um, so, um, that's, you know, it's worth pointing out that that's, you know, something he's, he should be able to fulfill. Um, 
as for the heat, we talked about earlier, uh, Pelton, what concerns you about the heat? Well, I think it's their ability to score ultimately. Like that's why yep. hero is so important for the, as you mentioned earlier, because, you know, Kyle Lowry is going to be an upgrade in terms of the overall package on Goran Dragic for sure. But, you know, he's not a dramatically better scorer at this stage of his career. I think it's more going to be what he brings defensively. And those are things they already have. And especially if you're counting on PJ Tucker to play a big role for you offensively, like as good as he <laughs> well, was. No, I'm, he's, I'm he's never going to do that to play a big role for you overall as good right. as he was defensively in last year's playoffs. His usage rate was microscopic and he yep. wasn't this kind of threat as a corner three point shooter that he had been the previous couple of years. Like for him to be what Jay Crowder was for them in the 2019 playoffs, I, I think would be a surprise for me. Yeah. You know, at that. the start, at the start of last year, Tucker was so up, so miserable in Houston and wanted out so bad. And he would just have he was he would have games on end where he just would take one shot or two shots or no shots, and I was just like, well, maybe he just kind of trying to get out of there. And then he went to Milwaukee and continued to take no shots because, um, you know, he was a you know obviously Houston ran a different offense with James Harden. It was much more volume just in general, um, and so I mean I don't know maybe that uh, maybe the fact that he's now in in offenses or was in offenses that were different, took that away. But, you know, he does, he does need to get those shots up because he is proficient. Uh, at least he has been in the recent years. Um, yeah. Like I said, uh, I think it's Tyler hero. Tyler hero to me is one of the transitional players in the Eastern conference. Okay. Bonsamps, what's your next tier? Uh, so these are teams that I think are, are realistic conference finals contenders. If things go well, um, uh, there's by the way, there's one team I'm waiting to hear. I'm most interested in hearing one team. Uh, I haven't heard it yet, but go ahead. Okay. So the, this, I got four teams in here in the East. I've got Philly and Atlanta and in the West, I've got golden state and Dallas. So I think your tier, this is, this is your tier three, right? Yep. That generally corresponds to my tier four, where I have a larger group of Philly Atlanta. This is where I have Miami. We'll Dallas. give your tier three and tier four then boss. Yeah, so we already no, no. gave tier three, but you no. My tier four is Philly, Atlanta, Miami, Dallas, the Clippers. I have in there just in you know somehow if Kawhi comes back, I think. And and look, they did beat the Jazz in a playoff series and take beat the Suns twice without him. So I think that they belong in this tier. And then Golden State is the uh, the last team. But my tier three has a team that you ha- still haven't mentioned, which is the Denver Nuggets. Oh, yeah. You know why? Because I forgot to put them in my list. That's why. (laughs) Well, that kind of says it all, doesn't it? I would have had I would have had Denver in this same. I was transferring it over from my conference tiers. I would have Denver in this same group. And if Jamal Murray comes back and looks healthy, I'd have him. I'd have Denver in the next group. So I I have Denver over Miami. I, I think that their upside, if Jamal Murray is healthy and they can figure out, you know, they just have any guards and can figure out some sort of defensive solution or maybe just yep. outscore people is yep. higher. I would definitely have Denver in that last group. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned that. That's really funny. Now I'm going to double check and make sure I have the other teams all here. So I don't mess anything else up. But I would, <laughs> right, so- I, d- I definitely think Denver's in there if Jamal could come back in any form. For sure. All right. So a couple of things here. Both of you guys have Philly kind of farther back. Um this is a team that thought they had a chance to win the title last year. Uh, obviously, Ben Simmons is the question mark, but has high aspirations for this year. Um, are you wagering with these, Pelton? Are you wagering putting them back there that this is just not going to work out considering this? Is that you 
you don't think that they're going to be able to improve that the Simmons situation will be a detriment. I mean, uh, I'm not disagreeing with you, but you know, clearly you guys have them farther back. Yeah, I mean, I think if they are able to make a Simmons trade that they're undoubtedly at this point going to be trading talent for fit that they're going to be sacrificing in terms of overall talent. Uh, you know, I, I think the way that everything sort of worked in last year's regular season was better than any of us expected. And when that happens and then you struggle in the playoffs, probably it's a sign that you're going to regress a little bit the following year. And then if Simmons comes back, we have seen that there's again, sort of a cap on him in the rate in the playoffs that, you know, doesn't, that doesn't necessarily line up exactly as it does in the regular season. Uh, to me, it's two things. One, as we've talked about many times, who knows when or if a Ben Simmons trade will happen. I think there's going to be a lot of uh, obviously uh, dysfunction. I shouldn't say obviously dysfunction, but there's a, certainly a high chance for some dysfunctional situation there until that gets resolved. The other thing is Phil- six or seven, you made the conference finals this whole run. So to me, like it's it's hard with the same team coming back to just put them in with teams that have a real shot to win a title at this point when you already have this situation that has to be resolved with Ben. And this is a team that's proven to be not as good as these other teams already. So I'm in sort of a, a show me before I believe it mode with them. By the way, real quick on Ben Simmons last week on the podcast, I talked about pay scales and how guys um, are pay schedules and how guys get paid. Um, I have more, incom- I'm more, I have more complete information on Ben Simmons now, thanks to Bobby Marks. And this reveals kind of a little bit of a strategy. Um, so, uh, Ben Simmons' salary this year is $32 million, give or take. Um, he, as part of his contract, and you know, Rich Paul negotiated to deals like this for LeBron, so I'm not surprised. On July 1st, Ben got, a, got an $8.2 million payment of his salary. I said some players who are in position to negotiate can negotiate um, uh, salary. It looks like he got about 25% of his salary on July 1st. I think LeBron gets 50, which I think is the max. So he's already got 8 million of his dollars this year. Then on October 1st, which will just be two or three days into training camp, he gets his second 25%. So he gets another 8.2 million. Um, And so that means that before he really even gets started, that he would have gotten paid half of his salary already. Uh, Now, granted, they can fine you, and then you end up having to do IOUs and have to pay back money in theory. But, you know, it's not, you know, the concept of the fine, which I think people have, have hinted might be the detriment. You know, Ben Simmons is good. You know, I guess they could find him for missing the first three days of camp. But even still, he's going to be getting $16 million in his pocket by uh, October 1st. And then his salary, which is going to be $16.5 million that's left, will start to be paid out in installments starting November 15th. Um, I just want to clarify that. Thanks to Bobby that, uh, you know, so that, that does inform a little bit about, um, you know, him risking his risking dollars. Uh, he, he, his contract structure kind of gives him some, uh, some flexibility with that. Um, so the other, so the other team, the team I was waiting to hear was where you guys had golden state. You both had them in this tier. Um, They are a fascinating team. Uh, I really am going to be interested in how they come together with Clayback and their young guys, how much they're going to play the young guys. You know, there was this thing that happened last year where clearly 
they were a better team when Wiseman didn't play. Wiseman got hurt and they got better. And I don't think it's because Wiseman's not a potentially good fit. I am really excited about him. It's just that when you have a guy who's got no experience playing with a bunch of other experienced players, it's going to be a factor. So I, I don't know how Steve Curry is going to play these young guys, uh, how Clay is going to look after just the back-to-back missed seasons. But both of you guys, and by the way, the sports books believe, I think the sports books, you know, they've got them pegged for 48 and a half over under. They believe that they're going to be in this tier. So um, Pelton, how did you come to put them here? Yeah. And I think it's a challenge because, you know, we sort of talked about this with the Lakers where you're trying to figure out what's the distribution of outcomes and how does that fit compared to other teams? Well, the Warriors probably have the widest distribution of outcomes of anyone in the league no because question. of Clay in particular. One thing that is probably a positive, we've seen that the Achilles injury, the Achilles rupture has not been the same kind of career altering injury lately that it was even as recently as a couple of years ago before Kevin Durant had that injury. Obviously, he came back, looked like the best player in the league in last year's playoffs. Uh, in the WNBA, we've seen Brianna Stewart at a younger age come back and win finals MVP and be right in there for MVP again this season. And then Kelsey Plum in the WNBA is having probably the best season of her career as the former number one pick after coming back from an Achilles rupture. But to do it in an ACL back to back, like there's, there's that Kaiser Permanente commercial where they say it's unprecedented comeback. And there, there was one precedent. Norm Nixon did this in back-to-back seasons and came back and played like a handful of games, but it was like, you know, almost four decades ago now. And and he didn't do it in the prime of his career like Clay. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of question marks about him. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is, all the lift big, get big, and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start. With thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can, even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or bike plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. Yeah, and the other thing that you have to factor in with Golden State, too, is the potential for them to make a trade, right? They could potentially swing a deal for one of these star players that comes available that would raise their ceiling, too. But but KP, as usual, uh, I'm in lockstep with them on their range. Like, they could be a team that's sort of like they were last year if they have a bunch of injuries and they're kind of fighting to be in the playing tournament. Or they could be a team that if they make a trade and Steph is an MVP-level guy again and Clay comes back, they could, I think, be in the finals. So this sort of like what I did with the Lakers, this sort of bounces out 
all that, where I think, you know, they've, they're, they're, they have a realistic chance of being a team that's in contention for the conference finals. And then that gives you some wiggle room on either side for them to be better or worse. Yeah. I mean, Steph, uh, Steph has the ability to be the difference maker if it's close. Um, and Steph had a great year last year, so I don't know why he wouldn't have another one this year. Um, I do think if you, if you're wagering on the Warriors, you're wagering on Steph, right? At the end of the day. I do think people are kind of taking for granted that he's going to be as healthy as he was last year yep. when he dealt with that, that injury, that, that bruise, I, I forget where it was, but tailbone, remember he fell tailbone. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But he played 63 of 72 games. Uh, I mean, that was, you know, he only played 51 in 2018. He played missed 13 in 19 as he gets older. I, I, I don't think we should just pencil him in for 70 games again this season. Well, yeah, but many, obviously, if he misses is, games, they're going to be in rough shape. Yeah, well, that's that's the un, it's an unknown. Uh, what about Moody Moses? Moses Moody Moody <laughs> Moses. I don't think um, the young guys are going to play a whole lot because I mean of the, the veterans they added. I, and, know, I know, but I mean, it's that's why I'm saying it's a bifurcated roster. You have to play him at some point. You know, I mean, what are you going to do? I think Kaminga will be in the G League. Okay, um, so you had the Clippers in there. Oh, by the way, you mentioned Nuggets real quick. Did you guys see the photo? Uh, there was a woman at a, at a pool who posted a photo of her with a shirtless Nikola Jokic in the last week. Did you guys see that? <laughs> I did not see it. The guy is freaking ripped. I mean, you know, he's not like uh, LeBron ripped or whatever, but like, <laughs> let's just say he is not, he is not let, uh, he is not let it slough off this summer. If indeed that is not an undoctored photo. Um uh, a friend of mine who lives in Belgrade sent me a, sent me a picture this week of, of uh, the, the Joker energy drink that they're selling there now. Um, Windhorst on the, the Serbian pool beat. Who would have guessed? <laughs> I don't think I don't know if he was at a pool in Serbia, but he there's an energy drink. Um, it's got like uh, it, it, it has like the eyes of a, the eyes and beak of like a, a bird of prey. I don't know if it's supposed to be a hawk or something uh, or an eagle. Um, and then right on the can, it says it says Joker energy drink. And then right on the can with like, it's like yellow and, um, and blue, like very loud colors with, you know, the eagle eyes. And then right, right underneath it, it says no sleep. <laughs> it's an guy to sell an energy drink. Uh, hey man, whatever he's doing, it's working. If this, if this photo is a legit photo, he is freaking ripped. All right. I mean, for Jokic standards, don't get me wrong. Don't think you're going to see in your prime Ronald Schwarzenegger, but <laughs> he's lost weight since the end of the season and added muscle based on the, the that photo. Um, uh, Jamal Murray is a, I have no, I mean, he, he tore the ACL in January. We all know that it, just when you return from the ACL, it doesn't mean that you're back, but um, he did it in but, April, not in January. Yeah. I thought it was in January. It was in April, not in January. It, it might have been like the January part of a normal season. But, Man, I got yeah. that way wrong. Well, that makes me even feel less. It was after it was after. Remember, it was after the trade deadline because they had played a handful of games. There in Gordon, I'm, sh- and I'm sure it in I'm Golden sh- State. I'm sure you're right. It makes no sense. It was January because the season started in January. Right. So I just total brain fart. That's correct. Um, so, um, all right. So next tier, Bon Temps. Uh, this is a quick one. Uh, the- these are teams I think are solidly going to make the playoffs. I have three teams. I have Portland. Oh, we didn't talk about the Hawks real quick. Oh, okay. Sure. Uh, Pelton. Hawks sort of got to the 
conference finals sort of ahead of schedule last year. Um, do you think that they, I mean, you've got them in this tier, so you don't see a repeat in that. I mean, one thing history tells us is that those kind of, you know, early playoff runs don't necessarily translate into, well, we did this when our core was this age, we're going to be even better in a few years. I mean, you know, obviously the James Harden trade, but like the Oklahoma city finals appearance in 2012 is maybe the ultimate example of that. But I do think that what they did over the second half of the season after Nate McMillan took over as coach, the depth they have in terms of role players around Trey Young and, and John Collins, to me, they're right there with anyone else in the East after Brooklyn and Milwaukee. KP just finding a way to stand for his Seattle guy. Uh, no, I, I agree completely on Atlanta. And since we didn't talk about Dallas, I just have them in this tier because there's the possibility to look at wins if and just goes up another level. And maybe as McMahon has talked about a bunch, Chris S. Porzingis gets a full offseason, comes back closer to what he was before. McMahon is it, bullish on Porzingis this year. I, I mean, that, that is something I, don't know I if did I would, not foresee. I, I, don't know if I'd, I don't know if I'd quite put those words in his mouth. I just think he's leaving open the possibility that he takes a step forward from where he was last year. I mean, he down, he's basically, when I asked how the Mavericks improved, he basically said he's, he's going to be healthier. He's going to be better. I mean, I was surprised to hear him even float that possibility. All right. Next year, Bontemps. So I had three teams here, solid playoff teams that I, I think are, I'm confident will be in, in the postseason next year. Uh, Portland in the West and then Indiana and Boston in the East. Well, I did not hear the New York Knicks there. Pelton, go ahead. Yeah, it's interesting because I have New York at the top of this group. I have a larger group. I have New York, Boston, Toronto, who I think people are really sleepy on their mm, chances. To, yeah. And Tim, I know, agrees based on what he said in the over-under pod, uh, but does not have them in this tier. New York, Boston, Toronto, and Indiana in the East. And then I have Portland and Memphis in the West. So that's my I, teams that I think will make the playoffs most likely. I actually had a tier of uh, I, this was a much bigger tier initially, and I split it up a little bit to come a little closer to KP. I had I had Indiana, Boston, Toronto, New York, Washington, Charlotte and Chicago all in the same tier. Originally, I was going to say, so. so I mean, you do you believe, though, do you believe Indiana is a better team than New York? I mean, I'm not judging. I'm just asking you. Indiana two years ago with Nate McMillan, KP Seattle guy was a they were a borderline 51 team repeatedly with basically the same talent, even after Victor Oladipo got hurt. Um, and I think Rick Carlisle is one of the absolute best coaches in the league. And last year with Nate Bjorkren, their coach situation was kind of a mess and they did not get along with him. And, uh, not that he was a not terrible, kind of I, mess. I, it was, it was a mess, right, but I, right. He wasn't also, a terrible in-game coach, but there was just a lot of dysfunction there. I think Rick Carlisle is going to clean a lot of that stuff up. And they also had a ton of injuries. I think they will be healthier and more functional. And I think because of that, they have a high regular season ceiling. Compared Speaking to what that, people would think. Yeah. It came out this week that TJ Warren is not, he is, I don't know. The way it was framed was like, he's, his rehab is going fine, but he's behind schedule. So I would say right. that rehab is not going fine. Um, right. And this guy has pretty much been out. He, he sort of played on an injury in the bubble. Right. And then he came back last year with plantar fasciitis and then, had the foot injury on the back of the plantar fasciitis and missed basically the whole season. But in the bubble before he got, before he got hurt, he was like the best player in the bubble. He was like putting up LeBron numbers. Yep. Um, and he's in the last year of his contract and highly motivated to have a good year because the free agent class is so thin next year. 
that seriously, like TJ Warren is going to be, I mean, we'll see how the season plays out. TJ Warren could be a top five free agent next year. I'm not kidding. So he's highly incentivized to play really well. I just don't know if that foot is going to heal. Foot injury right. is not good. Um, but, uh, you know, here's the thing about the Knicks. And actually, I, I don't want, I feel like I'm going to steal Pelton's thunder here because I know that they overachieved last year, Pelton. But did the Knicks not, I mean, I realize they're not going to be a championship team this year, but did the Knicks not add talent to this roster, Pelton? They definitely did. I mean, you know, the, Again, it's as I mentioned with the Hawks, I don't think it's the linear. Well, you take last year's the fourth best team in the East and then upgrade. We know they're not Evan the fourth Fournier. best team in the East. Yeah. We know that that's not true. But Upgrade to Evan Fournier and Kemba Walker on Alfred Payton and Reggie Bullock offensively. I But I do think that they have solidified themselves as a playoff team and, and right there with the other teams in this group. And, and like I said, I have them actually at the top of this tier of teams. I well, certainly would not be... I certainly would not be surprised if that happens. We, I've talked a bunch on here over the past couple of months. I really did like the fact they got Kevin Evan Fournier. They also did have a lot of guys have either career years or really exceed what they did before last year. Yeah. And to me, it's just so, pricing in a little bit of that. Like Julius Randle could come back to earth a little bit. Derek Rose yeah, could come and back even to if earth Julius a little Randall bit. Comes, even if Julius Randle comes back to earth a little bit, He's still good. Like, even if he's not quite the player he was no, last for sure. Year, right. You know? For sure. Yeah. Not not certainly not trying to say he'll be he'll be terrible or anything. He's he's a good he's a very good player. But like they could have they were way above their water last year, their water level last year. I think they could come back down some and look like we saw last year. Kemba, you know, had some issues with the knee, struggled to stay on the court. Like if he comes back and his Kemba Walker from a couple of years ago, they're going to be really good if he is kind of struggling to stay on the court and Derrick Rose misses a handful of games. It doesn't look like he did after the trade, like their offense could really struggle at times. So I want to talk, know. I want to talk about Portland for a second. So they, for the second straight year, really retrofitted their role players on their roster. Um, and obviously hiring Chauncey Billups, we just don't know what he's going to do, but we have to, I have to assume knowing Chauncey that they're, he's going to make an effort for them to improve defensively. I realized with Dame Lillard out there, your point of attack defense is going to be somewhat hampered, but they can't be 29th. But they did an interesting thing, uh, KP, in that trade for Larry Nance, which I think was a really good addition, assuming he stays healthy because he is a very valuable defender in this day and age. The way that they protected that first-round pick that they sent out to uh, ended up in Chicago, they can't trade any more first-round picks for the short-term future, just to, they're encumbered. So really their ability to make a home runs type move for Dame, which is what Dame was looking for, has been hamstrung short of trading McCollum, I think at this point. Um, and obviously there's been a thousand McCollum trades proposed, but one thing I always point out, if you trade CJ McCollum, if your team is going to improve, you have to get a player back better than CJ McCollum. And that, I mean, there are, those players exist, but it's hard to do that. And while Dame, I think, has stepped back from the precipice of uh, his displeasure with his with the future of the team, um, they need to be very good this year. They need to be at the top of this tier. Um, you know, otherwise, I think we're going to see Lillard stuff start to bubble back up again, Pelton. I mean, they might need to be in a tier above this when you look at the way that right. Damian Lillard is talking. I mean, he, you yeah. know. 
part of his frustration was losing to a Denver team that was so, you know, clearly banged up and we saw exactly how limited they were in the next round against Phoenix. But, you know, it, there's always going to be someone four. in that role. Sons and four, I believe it was. <laughs> yes, it, yes, it did. There's always going to be someone in that role. So I, I think it's probably more on Chauncey Billups to dramatically transform this team than it is Larry Nance Jr. Um, one thing I'll point out, Bontemps, believe it or not, with the new extension rules, Damian Lillard is eligible for an extension next summer. That's right. Um, even though I think his max is just kicking in. Um, yes, this is the first year of Supermax. So you're talking about a contract that would be in the 50s when he's in his mid to late 30s. And as I sit here in September of 21, I could see the Blazers, if they don't have a great season, trying to hang on to Dame by throwing $100 million extra at him after he's already got a $250 million contract. Um, I could see that happening. I mean, look, it might be their best. It might be their best uh, path to keep them based off of what he would like to see from them from an encore perspective, like Keepy said, compared to what they were realistically able to do. Yeah. So Portland is a, you know, that's a variance team too, because I just don't know how they're going to come together with a new coach. Um, and maybe Terry Stotts was overachieving with them. Maybe he was underachieving. Uh, obviously, health has been a big factor for them, like it is for a lot of teams. Okay. Bontemps, next, next here. So I had a bunch of teams in this one. These are te- like playing playoff slash playing teams. Uh, the other five teams in that group I mentioned in the East, Toronto, New York, Washington, Charlotte, and Chicago, and then three teams in the West, New Orleans, Clippers, and Memphis. Clippers, you were in the, was in the previous tier for you, Pelton. Uh, by the way, for your fantasy teams, it's never too early. Uh, I have no idea whether he'll be healthy, but I would look for Paul George to have a big-time stats here this year. He's primed right to just – he had a good year last year. They're going to need him. He's going to want to prove some things. I don't know if it's going to mean to success, but uh, I would look for uh, Paul George to uh, have a big year. Um, he's got Clippers a tier below you, Belton. Yeah, I, I'm clearly much higher on the Clippers. I mean, I don't know that they can necessarily do what they did in the playoffs after Kawhi went down, because one of the reasons you're able to do that is you're playing Paul George 40 plus minutes a game, and you can't do that in the regular season. But I do think this is a team that, so long as they don't have to get into the rookies who are going to be at the end of their roster, has a decent amount of depth. Justice Winslow, I think, is an interesting buy low option. It didn't work at all I mean, in KP. Memphis for him. KP. KP, Justice Winslow has played like six games in five years. Right. I mean, come on. Come on. Can I mean, you, you, I, know who else, you know who else just hasn't I, played at all? Who they really need is Serge Ibaka. I don't know when he's going to be ready. He had back surgery. I, I, guys in their 30s getting back surgery, I don't like. Yeah, and, and that's the other difference is they were playing those tiny lineups during the playoffs where you know Zubats off the bench often was their only center if they were playing a center at all. And you probably can't get away with that over the course of the regular season. Yeah, I mean, Marcus, Moore, right now they're two healthy centers. They signed Harry Giles on a non-guaranteed contract this week. I mean, I think they signed him. I mean, my read on this is that they don't know when Serge is going to be ready. But right now, as far as I know, their two ambulatory centers are Zubac and Marcus Morris. 
The NFL schedule drops this week, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Yeah, I, I realize, you don't, don't, I I realize don't you don't like I realize their... you don't need a, a a big like that, you know, but still, uh, it's it's important to point out. You're talking about their depth. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I just don't like their depth overall. I don't like the situation that team is in, um, especially because Paul George will probably miss a handful of games. And when he misses any games, I mean, we've talked about some of these teams that their star misses, they're in trouble. If Paul George isn't out there, I mean, the, the Clippers are going to have very little going for them offensively. I, so, did, I just think they're really thin. It's going to be rough. You mentioned Washington, Bontemps, uh, Pelton. Uh, what's this tier for you? Do you have Washington in it? Yeah, I have, this is my play in tier. So I only have three teams in it. And I have, I mean, I, I, I didn't expect that I would actually end up lower on Chicago than Tim Wynn after the tone of his comments about the Bulls, but I have them wow. in that tier along with the Wizards and the Pelicans. Yeah, you definitely are not a believer in the way Chicago is constructed, right? I think we have them in the same level. We just have our things structured a little different. Yeah. Right. Um, important thing for Washington. I'm on the record as saying, I think Washington's going to be maybe better this year because while they don't have Westbrook, they have a lot more depth. I don't remember if the date is October 2nd or October 4th, but in the first week of October, that is when Bradley Beal is eligible to sign his extension. He doesn't have to sign it then. He can sign it up until June 30th before becoming a free agent. But that is a very important time for the Wizards this year. If Bradley Beal extends in the preseason, I think it frames their season one way. I think if if he doesn't extend, it frames their season another. Um, uh, and, uh, as for Chicago, we've talked about it a lot on this podcast, but Pelton, you haven't been on, what do you, what, what do you not like? Why do you have them back here? <laughs> well, like Tim, I don't like their defense and offensively, even though they've clearly added a lot more talent, I think the question is going to be how well it's going to all fit together in terms of last year, Zach Levine functioned largely as their point guard. That works with Lonzo Ball, who doesn't have the ball a lot in his hands and, and has become a pretty good spacing option. It doesn't work with DeMar DeRozan unless you're essentially using DeRozan as your big man on offense and just kind of playing four out around him with you know Nikola Vucevic stretching the floor and maybe DeRozan setting pick and rolls for Levine. I think there's a way to get there. Do I necessarily trust that Billy Donovan is going to find that solution? I, I don't know that I do. I also think if you look at them, they have a team of floor raisers and in the Eastern Conference where there's 12 playoff caliber teams, in my opinion, you're not going to just be able to rack up wins against the bottom feeders like you did in the past in the East and kind of get to 44 <laughs> there are no by, bo- by default. Who are the bottom feeders in the East? Cleveland, Detroit, and Orlando. 
Orlando. Orlando. That, everybody I mean, else, everybody else, you can make a credible playoff case for. And by the way, Detroit and Cleveland are not going to win 15 games. They're going to win some games, you know. Um, so I, I, that's a very good point. Uh, okay, your bottom tier because uh, we're running out of time, Bontemps. I mean, it's everybody left, but yeah. I mean, I had two. I had two tiers left. There are a couple from three teams in the West that could make the play-in, but I think probably won't. Uh, San Antonio, Sacramento, and Minnesota, and then the the bottom tier is just teams that I think are just playing for the lottery, which is Detroit, Cleveland, Orlando, like KP just said, and then Oklahoma City and Houston. Yeah, and I basically had that same distinction where the the teams we haven't talked about Charlotte at all. I guess you had them in the previous a, tier, right? Charlotte had a decent offseason. I, I, ju- I just I think did. it's going to be it's going to be crowded for them. Um, it's going to be crowded for them to uh, to move up there. But you know, I mean, we are we would expect to see Lamelo take a leap in the second year. We often see guards do that. I've talked a lot about how rookie guards very rarely impact winning and losing. They do typically make a leap in their second year, specifically in their shooting. Historically, we see their shooting really improve as they figure out what it takes to get a clean shot off in the league. Now, um, Lamelo outperformed expectations as a shooter so much in year one that maybe he comes back to earth a little bit in that regard, kind of like John Morant did last year, where yeah. like John well, Morant's John, more promising. I, I, John got hurt in the first week of the season, and honestly, I didn't feel he was right for like two months. Uh, but that's, you know. Either here or there. We didn't really talk about Memphis either. Neither one of you guys were too high on them. I mean, I think I have them as a playoff team in the West. Yeah, so they're, they're just in the they're just in the same group. I think they're in the same you level. You have them as a play-in the team or years. a playoff team. I, well, I guess they would be in the play-in, but coming out of okay. the play-in again. That's okay. that's right. I have them basically right where they were, same place as last year. They, I think they'll be in the playoffs again. Oh, they're hoping to improve with the whole season of Jaron Jackson, but. Um, Sometimes they make trades. They've, you know, since that climate has taken over, he's made like 15 moves and like 12 of them have been excellent. And like two or three of them, I'm like, what? Well, I just totally haven't understood them at all. Um, but I guess nobody bets a thousand. So, um, all right. Well, uh, we're getting closer to the season. And um, uh, I think as we've talked about before, that this is setting up to be a highly competitive year. And I think this, um, this kind of uh, illustrated that the way you guys talked about it. And there's a couple of teams that are just going to be fascinating to watch. I think golden state to me, Friedel, our, our guy, Nick Friedel. Um, I have no idea whether he's going to be working until uh, late May or if he's going to be done in mid April. I just have no idea um, on that team. So I'll be, we'll be talking to him about that soon. Um, thanks for listening to the Hoop collective podcast. Everybody enjoy the rest of your summer. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the 